0: Awesome! Awesome! Well, good morning. How's everybody? Good to hear. My name's Aaron Pennington. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm fortunate to be the lead pastor here, and we're excited, as Corey said when he opened us up. Uh, four weeks away. Four weeks away. Well, there's been so much planning that has taken place to get to us to get to this point. And uh, we could not be more thrilled. So I just want to pause and say thank you to those in this room that have come to be a part of our preview service. So glad you're here. We're also recording this. I want to say thank you for those that may be catching us online. Thanks for joining the conversation. Uh, I want to start by talking about something that's going to be really, really, really important around here. And um, we're going to talk about culture today. And some of you guys may be thinking, oh, that's not what it should be. Let's see if we can get it up there. This is why you don't use new technology when you have your grand opening and you do it at your preview services. So um, I'm going to play with this a little bit as I'm talking. So uh, one of the things that we have come to understand is how important culture is when it comes to the kind of church that we want to become. And we're going to take the next three weeks to talk to you guys about what we call our cultural distinctives. Give me a second here. Let's see if we can have... Plugged it in the wrong one. One second. No. Part of our culture here is to learn how to use technology. There we go. All right. So. Like I said, that's why we do it now and not later. So um, we have come up with what we call five cultural distinctives here at Trace. And we've thought long and hard about what these five things should look like. And so that's why we've devoted the next three weeks to talk about them. Some of you guys may be thinking, like, "Why, why would we devote three weeks to culture and we believe over the next three weeks, you're going to understand why this particular is so, so important at this stage of a church, because we want to be intentional about the culture that we create. And more importantly, we want to help you understand that you play the biggest role in that. And here's what I mean by that. You can't tell people what your culture is. I could get up here every week and say, "You know what? We are a church that's so welcoming. Like we, we want people to come that are far from God, broken people. We want to meet people in the midst of their pain. I could say that every week, couldn't I? But if people are constantly coming to Trace and they experience something different, like cold and kind of standoffish, and maybe we, hey, we don't, we don't need to extend ourselves because we've got our own little group over here. Sometimes <clears throat> we call them cliques. If that's what their consistent experience is, then that's our culture. And so we've decided that we want to be very, very important Uh, I'm sorry, we want to be very, very intentional about creating the culture that we want to create. And so we want you to join us in those efforts. One of the things that I do when we're asking people to join our greeting team is I tell them a story. And it's a story about a church um, that I used to pastor, something that happened in the church that I was a pastor of down in Arizona. And I got a phone call one day from a friend of mine, and he said, "Uh, Aaron, hey, man, I just want to give you a heads up. There's a woman in our community who just got some really, really bad news. She just found out that her her son, 31-year-old son, died in a tragic accident uh, at his workplace, work site. And he said, that's not all. He said, there was uh, this extreme amount of grief, as you can imagine, in their family. And the husband could not handle it. And so he drank himself into a stupor, got in his car, drove down the wrong side of the road, head on collision, and he died in the same week. This young lady had found out in the same week that she lost both her son and her husband to a tragic accident. And he said, Aaron, I need to let you know she's never been to church before in her life, but she's coming to your church this weekend. And I was hoping we'd get a picture of her. It's like, man, I want to know who she is. I want to make sure that we extend as much love and as much comfort in her direction as possible, but we never got that picture. So I remember pulling our greeters in and I told them the story, and as many of you were just heart-stricken with grief and empathy for what that family was going through, and I said, guys, I don't know what she looks like, but what if we treated everybody who walked onto our church campus as if they needed to be greeted and welcomed in the type of hospitality that would help ease their pain by genuine smiles in their direction and greeting, saying, hey, we're so glad you're here, like, Really? We're so glad that you're here, and that became our culture, and so we began to create this culture where it's like, man, let's just treat everybody as if we don't know what's going on in their life because we don't know what's going on in their life, and that's the kind of culture that we begin to create. Let me show you something different of how a culture can be created. How many of you guys love Chick-fil-A? Yeah. yeah. Best spicy chicken sandwich in the world. It is. And maybe you know this in the Gospel of John. Jesus said he's going to go and prepare a place for us in heaven. I think he's also going to go put a Chick-fil-A in heaven. It's that good. Can I get an amen? If you're there, if you're ever at Chick-fil-A, and you order a milkshake or a spicy chicken sandwich or whatever it may be, and after you order that and they give it to you, you say, thank you, what do they say? My My pleasure. Why do you know that? Because they've been so consistent in doing that, that it is now a part of their culture that no matter when you go, you're going to experience their hospitality in that way because they do it over and over and over again. There's a pastor friend of mine here in town, and sometimes I'll pick him up for lunch, and I'll say, hey, man, where do you want to go? And a lot of times he'll respond, do you want to be treated like a king? Because if you wanted to be treated like a a king, we need to go to Chick-fil-A. That's the brand, that's the culture that they've created because they've been consistent with doing that over and over and over. Do you know our homes actually have a culture as well? We create cultures in our homes by what we consistently do over and over. One of the things that Emily, my wife, and I have tried to instill in our home as part of our culture is a culture of encouragement, where we encourage one another. All of us need to be encouraged. And I remember years ago when my daughter uh, Lily, who's seven now, but at the time she was only four, and she was sitting in on a service kind of like this and listening to me teach. And at the end, she came up to me and she said, Dad, you talked for a long time. You said a lot of things that I didn't understand, but you did great. And I'm like, well, okay, now we're, well, I know that that culture is starting to be instilled in our family, and uh, we keep pushing that and encouraging our kids to um, to take that on and create that culture, and it only becomes our culture when we consistently do it. Now let's transition for a second and talk about the church cultures that all of us have likely experienced. And oftentimes, it's the culture of the church that you went to or have been a part of in the past that left you with the biggest impact. Maybe you never thought of it as as being their church culture, but that is exactly what it was. And let's be clear, that that could have either left you with a positive experience or it could have left you with a negative experience. So here's what we want to do. I want to go over a handful of things and I want to talk about and It's not my intentions to, to throw the church under the bus today, but I want to be real and talk about the experiences that likely many of us have had. So let's talk about this. Over here, you've got the legalistic culture where maybe you've been to a church and it's like, man, if you didn't act a certain way, if you didn't look a certain way, that you just didn't fit in there. In other words, if you didn't fit this model, you weren't A good Christian. That's legalism. It's saying, hey, if you don't behave a certain way, if you don't act a certain way, then you're not welcome. That's legalism. We don't want anything to do with that here. Some people call it behavior management. That's over here. At Trace, we want to create a culture that is welcoming, that is inviting, that is loving, that is truly saying, come as you are, no strings attached. Friends, some of you need to come in here, and although we want you to get involved in serving and become a bigger part and take ownership of this church with us, some of you need to sit in these seats for a couple months and just sit and soak and maybe take on the shape of a sponge. Do you know when a sponge fills up that it takes on a new shape and has new purpose? Some of you need to do that because of the pain and the baggage and the luggage that you bring to the table, and we are okay with that you need to know that because that's the kind of culture that we want to create here. Maybe on the other end you've been a part of a church culture where it was all grace. Like hey, you can just you're forgiven no matter what. Oh, you cheated on your wife again. Oh, you're still getting drunk and getting, you know, high on drugs. Oh, it's okay, you're forgiven. There's no accountability. We're not interested in that either. Over here we want to root ourselves in the truth of God's word. And although we do want to say, come as you are, as we embrace the cross and what Jesus did, none of us should stay as we are. We should be compelled to move forward in the direction of Jesus in hopes that we will grow in our reflection of his light and his love in the lives of other people. That's the culture that we want to create here. Some of you guys have been to a church where Man, it was kind of like playing church. Maybe you remember going to church and your your family's fighting in the station wagon or minivan or whatever that was for you. And you get to church and your parents look back and say, straighten up, get it together, we're walking into church. So everything's got to look good, right? You can't act like anything's going wrong in your family. Let me talk to you about a specific thing that's in this category that happened to me when I was 16 years old. I grew up in a church and it was a good church. But I was making some very poor decisions in my life and I'd only had my license for about five months and I got my first DUI. And I remember walking into my church and I knew people knew about it. I grew up in a small town in Kentucky of about 13,000 people. And I knew people knew about it, but nobody said anything to me. And I look back now and I didn't feel judged, but also didn't feel loved. And I wish somebody would have come up to me and said, Aaron... Like, man, let's talk about the decisions you're making in your life. But nobody did, even though they knew what happened. It's like, let's just play like everything is okay. Now, here's my promise to you. When your kids, if your kids, ever screw up royally, and they do something and maybe they're reaping some horrible consequences and you're embarrassed as a parent, let me know. I honestly want to make myself available and sit down and, I've been there, and I want to be that person that can speak into your son or daughter's life and say, this will not define you for the rest of your life. I want to have that conversation. That's my promise to you. Maybe some of you guys have been a part of a church that was too political, and not in the essence that it was just the, kind of the bureaucracy of the church that sometimes exists, but they literally told you who to vote for. Like, if you're not a, a right-wing Republican, you can't come here. Maybe you grew up in that Of church, I don't know, or maybe you've attended that kind of church. And I want to be very clear at Trace, we want to create an environment in a space where Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, gay people, straight people, uh, libertarians, whatever category or whatever label you would put on people, we want this to be a safe place for people to encounter the cross and the gospel, knowing that all of us, all of us, will be challenged by the gospel, will be challenged by the cross. And so we want to create an environment where all people are welcome here. Our only identity is not in a political party. Our only identity is in Jesus. That's it. That's it. Our identity is going to always be in Jesus and Him alone. And I wrote this down, and I want to share it with you. We're in probably one of the most heated political environments that our country has experienced in a long time. And as I was thinking through this, I just wrote this down whether it's Hillary, Trump, Sanders, Johnson, or whoever else you would throw into that category, I don't want any of them to be my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He brings rest for my soul. I want us all to remember that. I don't know if you're looking to those candidates as a shepherd. Sometimes we do, unfortunately. Jesus is our only shepherd. I want to remind you of that. Maybe you were a part of a church where the building was the only focus or growing the building, growing the church. It was all about the people. And don't get me wrong. We want a lot of people to come here because we believe in what we're doing, but we don't want to be defined by our buildings or by how many people come to our church. We want to be defined by how we're reflecting the light of Jesus in this community. And so I'm going to give you a couple things that we're actually going to be doing. We haven't talked about this yet. At our grand opening, and you may start seeing some promotion that we put out in the community as of last week, we're going to invite everyone to bring a pair of shoes for foster kids right out of the gates for our grand opening. And for every pair of shoes brought for foster kids, we're going to match it as a church. We actually came under budget when... when, um, we were putting together our marketing plan and how much money we wanted to spend on kind of putting the promotion of our grand opening out there. And we came under budget, and really quickly, it's like, okay, well, now we've got extra money. What if we just go spend it on some more marketing? I said, no, what if we just put some shoes on a bunch of feet of kids that could really use a blessing in their life? My hope is that you'll partner with us and do that. Last one, maybe you've been in a church where people or the pastor or the leaders were more interested in, in pleasing a few people in the pew than they were the Holy Spirit. Meaning those people who had been in church their whole life. Maybe they gave the most. And so those people's opinions became more important than other people's opinions. And so all the decisions wrapped around just a handful of people instead of what the Spirit of God was leading us to do. And at Trace, we want to listen to the Spirit and we want to move forward on our knees. That's how we want to move forward here. And although these aspects of culture are important, we have determined that there are bigger, more fundamental pieces in place when it comes to our culture. Here's what I mean by that. All of us would say that we want to be a part of an authentic church, right? We don't want people acting fake, playing a part. We want people to be real. And you go to a lot of churches, and they'll actually have that as maybe one of their core values. And what we've determined is, although that's very important, and we absolutely want an authentic church, there's a, there are bigger values in play that if we get these right, then things like authenticity will naturally happen. And so that's what has uh, led us to what we, again, call our cultural distinctive. So here are the five most important things uh, that we're putting in place as our culture. The first one is teachability. Uh, and this, of course, is an acronym for, for TRACE, our name, keeping it simple as we can. Teachability, release, accountability, creativity, and empowerment. And what I want to do for the rest of our time today is just talk about the importance of teachability. And so that's what we're going to do. Whether we know it or not, we're always learning. We learn shortcuts to our destinations. We learn how to use new technology. We learn to avoid that one guy at work, right? We learned that Michael Phelps is still amazing in the pool. How many of you guys have been watching the Olympics? Yeah. We also learned that Russia still cheats. Was that too soon? Is that, is that too soon? We learn what makes our spouse upset, but for some reason we keep doing it. As parents, we learn how to parent our children differently because we know they're all unique. I'm learning how to distinguish the footsteps of my kids, and here's why. If my kids are coming down the stairs, I could be met with a handful of different greetings. For instance, if it's one of my daughters, I'm a, parent, a father of four. If it's one of my daughters, I know I'm likely to be met with a big hug on the back of my leg. But if it's my son Jonathan, <laughs> I could either be met with a hard plastic lightsaber to the middle of my back, some numchucks to my kneecaps, or if he gets in front of me in time, a punch to my groin. And so I'm learning to distinguish the footsteps of my kids as they're coming in my direction. We're always learning we're always wanting to put ourselves in a position, or I should say a posture, of learning. And although learning and teachability do have a lot in common, we believe teachability goes much deeper. And instead of just being information-driven, we believe teachability is more character-driven. And it's so important that you understand that concept. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about... And with, by using three specific points of why teachability is so important to us here at Trace and why it should be so important in your life. Number one, and if you're prone to writing things down, I would encourage you to write these down. A teachable spirit gives God the platform to shape your life. Have any of you attempted to do life on your own? Have any of you attempted to take over the wheel and say, I'm going to do things my way? Maybe you have to go all the way back to when you were a kid And that's when you're doing that. Maybe for some of you, it was your college years. Maybe for some of you, it was last night. Because you're still living life the way that you want to and the way you've designed it. Instead of making God and Jesus the leader and Lord of your life. At Trace, we truly want to put our lives in God's hands. And not just our lives. We want to put this church in God's hands. And we want to come with a position or a posture as if we are like clay letting him mold us and shape us the way that he wants to, not me. I know when I look in the rearview mirror into my past and I go back to that season of life when I was leading my own life, even though I believed in God, I was still leading my own life, I find a couple things. I find that that was the season where I made the biggest mistakes of my life and it was also the season where I hurt the most people. And I bet if you took a quick detour back in your life, you probably say the same thing. We don't want to do that here. We truly want to put our life in God's hands. And again, like a piece of clay. You know, sometimes we act more like a big, hard piece of marble. And although it looks strong and pretty at times, the slightest bit of distress will crack it. Sometimes that's what happens with our lives. I'm reminded of Isaiah 64, 8. that says, yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. I want to also remind you that a culture will be made at Trace. It's going to happen. A culture will be made here. And it's going to happen one of two ways. We're either going to intentionally come together as we talk and discuss all these really important subjects. And we'll come together in a unified effort and we'll make it happen together. Or it's accidentally going to fall into place with not really thinking through things, being inconsistent with who we really want to be. And so I want to make sure that we remember this one thing. A culture is going to be made here. Let's own it and let's create it together. Number two. Teachability leads to lifelong learners. By a show of hands, how many of you guys know that one guy or girl who knows everything? You can't teach them anything. How many of you guys, you know that person? Okay, if you're not raising your hand, it's probably you. (laughs) So be careful. We don't, nobody likes that. Like, stop it. Nobody wants you to act like you've got all things figured out. In my 37 years of living, here's what I've learned. We don't arrive at too many things in this life. We just don't. There's not too many things where it's like, "I got it, it's done, It's figured out. I've, I've got this part of my life taken care of. I don't need to learn anything else. We don't arrive at too many things in this life. I've got a master's degree in ministry, but I'm still learning about God from my kids. I've been married for 13 years, but I feel like every single week or month, I'm learning how to be a better father, or, I'm sorry, husband to my wife. Because things change, don't they? Things change. I read an interesting article once that said that if you've been married for 20 years, you've likely been married to three different people because things change. You get new jobs, you have kids, maybe your faith grows, maybe your waist size grows. Things change. And you need to continually learn what it looks like to be the spouse that they need you to be. In other words... Learning how to be the spouse God wants you to be is not a set point, but rather a moving target. I'm going to take a detour for a second with you guys. Let me bounce this. Guys, just the guys, specifically husbands in the room. I want to give you a, a tip of something that has paid dividends for me as a husband and also just in my marriage. One time a year, only one. I want to be clear about that because I don't want to act like I'm more spiritual than I am. One time a year, I'll take my wife out and I'll look at her and I'll say, sweetie, what are two things, two things that I can do to be a better husband? And i let her know and I'm not going to respond to anything you say. I'm just going to listen. Guys, one time a year, I want you to take your wife out on a smoking hot date and I want you to look at her and I want you to say, sweetie, what are two things that I can do to be a better husband? That's the easy part. The hard part is when they actually tell you something that you don't agree with, that you actually keep your mouth shut, right? I'm going to get a t shirt at some point in time that says, we don't say shut up, but the Holy Spirit does. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit saying, don't, like, be quiet and listen, reminds me of James 1 19 through 20, one of my favorite verses for married couples. My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. Guys, listen. Don't respond. Just listen. Ladies, I've got some homework for you too if you're married in here. One time a year, your husband's going to take you on a smoking hot date. And he's going to look at you and he's going to say, what are the two things that I can do to be a better husband? Just give him two. Like don't give him three or 12 or don't give him like an Excel spreadsheet of everything that he needs to work on, right? Give him two. That's all we can handle. And in all honesty, be gentle. Be gentle. It's tough on us guys sometimes to feel like we're not measuring up. But if we take the posture of a learner and we truly have a teachable spirit, If there's any area that you need to continually grow in, it's being a good husband and a good wife. All right. Romans 12.3. Let me get there. Did I miss it? Maybe I missed it. There it is, sorry. Sorry. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't act like you ever figure anything out or you've actually arrived at something. Don't don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. We don't arrive at too many things in this life. And to be honest with you, as soon as we act like we first, like we've arrived at anything, I think is when we first start to look as foolish in the eyes of God because he's up there saying, I still got plenty to teach you when it comes to that particular subject in your life. Let me remind you of our one thing. A culture is going to be made here. Let's own it and let's create it together. This is not something any of us want to accidentally fall into place. Number three and our last one. A teachable spirit asks for feedback. Because feedback is our friend. Allowing others to speak into your life may be one of the most powerful things that you will ever do. Guys, we all have blind spots. And they will remain blind spots if we don't allow others to point them out. And oftentimes we don't ask for feedback because we're afraid of what we're going to hear. I used to be on a leadership team. With about 20 people, and I was a part of a very large church. And we'd get away on retreats from time to time. And my mentor was also a part of this particular leadership team. And I remember we came back from one of those retreats. It was about two or three days long. And I said, Hey, is there anything you'd like to point out to me? I gave him, I opened the door for him. Is there anything that I did? Is there anything that I'm saying that you you think that I maybe need to be critiqued on? And he said, Yeah, actually, there is. He goes, Aaron, I think you share your opinion too much. And I'm like, like whoa, like wait a minute. That's, that's, and he goes, yeah. He goes, I think sometimes you share your opinion because you just want to be heard, not that it's really going to add any value to the conversation. That hurt because he was right. But I got a little defensive. I didn't like hearing that. And I don't think any of us like to get feedback that challenges us. But if we take the posture of a learner and have a teachable spirit, those things will make us better. And so what I do now when I'm often in settings where there's a lot of people giving input, I'll ask myself a couple questions. If something comes to my mind that I want to share, number one, is it going to add any value to the conversation? And number two, do I just want to be heard? And depending on the answers to those questions, I usually just keep my mouth shut and listen to other people. Do you know that listening is one of the best forms of love? I'm trying <laughs> become a better listener. And the posture of a teachable spirit is absolutely a listener. And just a heads up, if you're defensive in nature and you know that, if you know you're defensive and you know that that's something that's an issue for you, I want to give you a tip of how to overcome that. Don't wait for feedback. Ask for it. When you ask for people to speak into your life, you've already positioned yourself to receive it instead of just being blindsided by it. Ask for it. So let me give you a quick quiz. How many of you guys, or maybe these are more rhetorical questions, when was the last time you asked your boss how you're doing? Don't wait for the review to come your way. How am I doing? When was the last time you asked your spouse, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? was the last time you asked your kids, hey, what's daddy doing or mommy doing that's frustrating you right now? And listen, listen. If you'll ask for the feedback, you're going to grow in this area of teachability. And some of you may be to the answers, you know, as you're answering those questions right now, you may automatically know, this is an area of struggle for me, but there's some good news for you. You're only one conversation away. You're one conversation away from inviting somebody to speak into your life. And here's the beauty about feedback. You don't have to listen to it. But if you never listen to it, you don't have a teachable spirit. If all of us come to this room and approach this church and what God wants to do in and through us with a teachable spirit, we're going to have a posture of humility. And humility is arguably one of the most Christ-like attributes that we could have teachability has got to be a part of the culture here at Trace. And let me remind us, a culture is going to be made here. It's either going to accidentally happen because we weren't intentional and we didn't unify in our efforts, or we're going to own it and we're going to create it together. I'm going to pray for us and our team's going to come up and lead us in a time of response and I want you to to think about whether or not you have a teachable spirit. And maybe the thin space for you and God this morning is going to be inviting him in to give you a couple action steps. I've already given you a few action steps. But a couple action steps that would allow you to grow in this particular area. And one of the things that's maybe obvious, but for the sake of saying it, so that we all hear it, is that we're all going to put ourselves underneath the authority of God. We're going to listen to Him. We're going to search Him. And He's going to speak to us. But will we listen? Will we listen? I'm going to pray for us, and our band's going to come up. Father, thank You. Thank You for what You're doing here. Thank You for leading every single one of these people into this room and allowing them to be a part of this conversation. Father, I know from the experiences you've given me and even the failures that I've had that teachability has a whole lot to do with humility. And Father, any of us that are living our lives more led by pride than humility, uh, it's just not going to go well for us. uh, We can all point back to things in our life where we know it just doesn't work. And so, God, I know for some people in here there's a lump in their throat because they know they need to ask some of those hard questions, maybe to their spouse, maybe to a friend or family member, and they really don't want to because they're afraid of what they're going to hear. Lord, would you give us courage? Would you help us to see the value in moving in this direction? And God, I have no doubts that as we unify around this idea of being teachable, that we will be better listeners, and there will be a more effective church. So God, would you join us? We need you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.